just want to share something with you tonight. It's been on my mind all this week and something I'm burdened about and just trust that the Lord's got something for us all and just want to be a help. Genesis chapter number 2 and uh, let's begin reading in uh, verse number 23. The Bible says, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. <clears throat> She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Look in Genesis chapter number 3, and in verse number 6, the Bible says, The woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and he gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Uh, Brother Brian, if you wouldn't mind uh, to uh, open us up in a word of prayer. Amen. I want to preach to you a message tonight on beware of nakedness. Just looked up some statistics um, recently. Some 35% of internet downloads online today are pornographic in nature. In 2006, 84% between the ages of 18 and 41 had viewed pornography. Today, some 3 to 6% are addicted, and some 65% of men and 18% of women view every week. 65% of all men and 18% of all women, and that's based on to the best that people know. I would dare say that if we dug into the statistics, maybe more even than that. And this issue of nakedness began all the way back in the Garden of Eden. God had originally made man uh, and women, woman naked, and they were not ashamed because they were innocent, much like a young child today. Uh, it's, uh, uh, there's a level of innocency that's involved in that. And uh, God's original creation where um, there was no sin, they didn't have a defiled mind the way men do today, and they were pre-the uh, pre, uh, fall, and uh, that was part of God's original creation. With a young child, it's nothing for that child to run around naked and not think anything of it because there's an innocency connected with it. And today they're... Uh, uh, one of the largest, uh, most wicked industries in this nation is the industry of pornography. Right. Now, God's people in this day and age, obviously, uh, we're going to look at a lot of a lot of passages, but obviously, there's a issue in this day and age with nakedness. Look in uh, Revelation chapter number three. Revelation chapter number three. The Lord's addressing the Laodiceans, which uh, was a literal physical church in that day, but also is prophetic of the end time church right before the rapture. And in Revelation chapter number 3 and verse, uh, verse 15, he says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. That's America today. you got everything you need, you think. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. 
Apparently one of the marks of the end-time church is nakedness. And he says, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be therefore, be zealous therefore, and repent. The church of Laodicea apparently was going to have some trouble with nakedness. That's not uh, the lost world. That's God's people. And uh, God's standard of nakedness is higher than ours. Uh, Look at Isaiah chapter number 47. Now, I'm well aware that many many folks who start talking about nakedness and how uh, Christians ought to dress and act and behave... You instantly go to the Pharisees and you say, well, they, they looked at themselves as righteous because of what they wore. And so, therefore, that must open Pandora's box and say that a Christian ought not have any standards of dress. And I can dress any way I want. Look at Isaiah chapter number 47. And the Bible says in verse number 2, says, uh, Take the millstones and grind meal, uncover thy locks, and make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, Pass over the rivers, thy nakedness shall be uncovered. God says exposing your legs is nakedness. Now, I'm glad for that. I don't want to see a man's hairy legs, amen. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, we, uh, we almost uh, fail to address the elephant in the room sometimes that uh, God's people in this day and age, I think because by and large the pressure of the world is so immodest and so uh, by and large naked, that just because their level's down here, as long as I'm a step above that, then I'm okay. We're not discussing my opinion, your opinion, what you should wear based on what man's opinion is. We just read what God's standard of nakedness was, and based on his standard is if you expose your thighs, you're naked. I didn't say that. That's what God's word says. Now, if you want to talk to me after church, by all means, I... Uh, Maybe there's some things I haven't considered, but according to that passage and uh, the, the, my understanding of the Scriptures that God's people in the last times are going to have some trouble with this thing. And it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination to figure out, figure out that it's because of the pressure of the world. We live in a sex-crazy world today. Insane. Cra- if you don't believe it, drive down Main Street, Winchester, Kentucky. This is small-town USA. And you've got businesses celebrating perversion in small-town USA because they're afraid to offend somebody. They don't want a dollar bill to leave their door because they don't, they don't align with the right politics of the day. You know, as a Christian, subtly, we're maybe more subtle about it, but, you know, we, we kind of uh, uh, go into the closet as the other ones come out. And we're afraid to maybe address some elephants in the room because we're maybe afraid it might offend somebody. Listen, I I don't want to offend anybody tonight. If the Word of God offends you, so be it. But my goal is to help you. And I I know what I'm talking about on some of this stuff. And and, uh, I've dealt with some things. And and, uh, God's given me victory and, and deliverance over it. But we are far too lax as God's people in how we dress. Now look at, uh, look at Leviticus chapter number 8. Leviticus chapter number 8. I'm just going to look at a few verses just for the sake of time. We're not going to read the whole passage. But in Leviticus chapter number 8, and the Bible says, 
in, uh, ver- uh, beginning in verse number 7, it says, And he put upon him the coat and girded him with the girdle, and clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod upon him, and he girded him with the curious girdle of the ephod, and bound it unto him therewith. And he put the breastplate upon him, and he put the breastplate upon the Urim and the Thummim, and he put the mitre upon his head, and also upon the mitre, even the, his forefront, did he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses. Now, there, there's a whole passage of Scripture here where God uh, gave the very specific instructions on how the high priest was to dress uh, as he approached the throne. And uh, God goes through great detail, and, and uh, to be honest, it's some of the passages in the Old Testament are not the most exhilarating reading. If you ever read through the last part of, of Exodus, last call it eight chapters of Ec- or, uh, Ezekiel, rather, where God goes through the finite details of the temple, and just chapter after chapter, God uses more chapters in the Bible dealing with very specific, intricate parts of the temple in the Old Testament than He does about your salvation. You know, so sometimes our balance and perspective of things gets out of kilter, maybe from God's. And here in Leviticus, God goes through great detail on the high. You say, uh, well, I'm not a high priest. Well, I'm glad you asked because in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You know what? I, I came away reading through, the, through these passages and I said, Lord, I don't even know what a Urim and Thummim is. <laughs> I know it's important to you. Just because it's not important to me doesn't mean it's not to God. And just because I don't understand it doesn't mean that it's not significant. And I just have to come away with the idea that uh, God is very specific on how he wants to be worshipped. And God goes through great detail on how they were to dress in the Old Testament as that high priest would approach uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And he would sprinkle that. And Listen, God wouldn't just accept any worship. He wouldn't. God's very specific on how he had that high priest to approach. And today we're just so casual about everything. You know, we just want to approach God how we want to approach God however we think is appropriate. And we want to approach a God of our own mind, of our own choosing, and not even consider what he thinks about it. You know, we're far too casual in this thing. You know, there, there's a lot of scriptural examples on this issue of nakedness. You got David and Bathsheba. You know, David, in, when he was staying back, he should have been in the battle with his men, and he stayed back. And Bathsheba, he just being uh, neutral and not, not where he should have been, leading his men in the battle, because he wasn't in the battle where he should have been, he got caught where he shouldn't have been. And the devil had just the right thing for David that he could fall into. And you know, taking a a bath is not sinful. (laughs) You know, uh, to to wear the attire appropriate is not sinful. And I want to say to you men that immodesty is not an excuse for wandering eyeballs. Just because somebody may dress in a manner that is not very modest does not give you the excuse to let your eyeballs wander. You know, the world has all sorts of sayings in that regard. And, you know, David not being where he was supposed to be allowed himself to be in a spot where he wasn't supposed to be. And because he wasn't where he was supposed to be and he should have been on the front lines with his men leading the charge, he was neutral and not in the fight. And he allowed himself to take a peek at something he shouldn't have been looking at in the first place. 
You know, if David was where he was supposed to be in his place where he should have been, he never would have got caught up with Bathsheba. A lot of men are that way. A lot of men are that way. You know, a lot of men should be sitting in that pew or that pew or that pew. And somewhere along the line, something more important came in than, than the battle, than fighting for the gospel, than trying to win souls for Jesus Christ. And they got taken up and they fell into a pit of sin because they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. You know, in, in the Christian life, you're never meant to be neutral. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to be going forward. You know, the, the, uh, the Dead Sea is dead because it doesn't have an outlet. You know, you, you don't, uh, we go preach on the street on Saturdays and thank God for the men that go and do that. You know, that'd be pretty hard to do on, on your own, by yourself. You know, having other men that are willing to take their time, some men drive from out of, the, out of Winchester 20, 30 minutes uh, more or more to get there and preach on the street, that's encouraging to me. But you know what, if, you're, if, that's, if you don't do that, what do you do to get the gospel out? Because the, the Dead Sea is dead because it, all it does is just take in. And that's where a lot of Christians are today. You just want to take in and take in and take in and you never get it out. And you know what, you're just as dead. You know, the, the Lord is not real to you. You know, and uh, look in Matthew chapter, chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I'll uh, begin reading in verse number 27. Jesus Christ speaking, he says, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. You know what that verse implies? That verse implies that if you dress in a manner to cause people to lust after you, you're just as guilty as the act itself. You want to stand before God that causing another person to lust after you and you get caught up in that. And as far as God's concerned, the act, the act itself may, have, may as well have just taken place. You know, that's real uncomfortable because that only goes on in your mind. You know, that goes on in your heart. You say, why is this significant? Because the Bible says, mine eye affecteth my heart. The Bible says that, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. You know what, if you're taking in a whole bunch of garbage in your eyeballs, and you're letting it roll around in your, in your brain and in your thoughts, you don't have the room that you need to to love Jesus Christ. That's your problem. What are you going to do about it, Christian? You're just going to keep going? Job, uh, what, do, what should you do? Job 31, 1, the Bible says, Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? A lot of Christians don't think right because their eyeballs are wandering. A lot of Christians get caught up in sin. They don't think clearly because their vision is cloudy because of sin. You know, and we're going to look at a, another passage here in Exodus 32. Moses dealt with this thing in nakedness. Exodus 32 in, the, in verse number 25. And for the sake of time, we're not going to read the whole passage. But you know the passage that Moses went up to the mountain. He pled with God for God's people. God wanted to wipe them out. And uh, start over with Moses. And, and if Moses had been like a hypocrite like Muhammad, he probably would have fell for it. You know, Muhammad wanted, he thought he was the best man that God had ever made by his own words. And uh, God said, told Moses, said, I'm going to wipe him out and start over with you. And Moses says, no, 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 you can't do that. Because, and he pleads with God over with uh, claiming his promises. 
you know, it's a good rule there that if you want to get a prayer answered, you ought to deal with God according to faith in the Scriptures. And God decides to repent of the evil that he thought to do, and Moses comes down from the mountain. As you know that Moses comes down from the mountain, they hear the noise of war in the camp. And after they hear the noise of the war in camp, Moses gets so angry because of their sin that he takes the two tablets and he throws them down and breaks those stones. You know, one of the pictures there is that your temper gets out of control, then you're liable to break all of God's commandments. You break God's commandments, some of you may have an, a temper problem. I, I deal with that sometimes. I ask God to help me with that. I think if you're a red-blooded man, you deal with that at times. You know, we need the Lord's help. You know, in uh, Exodus here, Moses comes down from the mountain. Look in verse number 20. We'll start in verse number 23. It says, For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. And as uh, for as this for Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it in the fire, and there came out this calf. Well, look at that. <laughs> well, it just, the calf just came of its own, right? <laughs> and when Moses saw that the people were naked, wow, connected with worship. For Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate in the, of the camp and said, Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. You know, Moses dealt with this thing. You know, here in the... Here in the passage, it, it's important to note that when God's people run around naked, you're going to cause somebody else to stumble. You know, Moses here in the passage was furious, so, so much to the point that he was willing to break all of God's commandments. You know, we don't think of it that way, but our actions impact other people. You know, not only did they make Moses furious to the point where he was willing to break all of God's commandments and broke them, that... They also had impacted and therefore had uh, caused liability toward Aaron. <laughs> and then, of course, Aaron tries to shift it. Well, they look, there came out this calf. I don't know. You know, you walk around naked, you're going to cause other people to stumble. And you do that, and you're going to be held accountable to God for it. God help us with this issue of nakedness. You know, Moses dealt with it. You know, I think it's interesting to note here that when Moses came down, he said, who's on the Lord's side? And they, he didn't say, okay, well, you got to dress this way and act this way and act this way and act this way, and you can't wear this and you got to wear that. Look, that, that's what the Pharisees did. They made a list of rules of do's and don'ts, and they said, you're right with God if you do those do's and don'ts. And a big part of Christianity is that way. A lot of Bible-believing Christianity is that way. King James only, right? And they make these set of rules that if you meet these criteria, you're right with the Lord. As long as you don't, if you, as long as you don't dress in a certain way, or, or rather, if you do dress a certain way, then that qualifies you. But the Lord didn't say, or Moses didn't say that. He obviously could see the problem, and, and what he said is, who's on the Lord's side? And make a decision. He says, let him come unto me. And, all the, and they gathered themselves unto Israel, and he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side. And you know what that sword is. <laughs> you know, he tells them right there, pick up the sword. You know, what does God say about the matter? You know what I, what I think? I, I think the, 
the way we dress, whether you like it or not, the way you dress says something about you. Whether fair or unfair, the way you dress says something about you. The book of Proverbs describes a certain woman and calls her a, uh, it, it describes it as a, uh, the, the attire of an harlot. That's a uniform. The, things that, the, the, the clothes that you put on says something about where you're at with the Lord. Doesn't make you righteous. But you know what I found in, in my, my life is that if you have a desire to please the Lord, you're going to therefore want to put some clothes on. You know, when you consider in the New Testament, you say, well, all this is Old Testament. You know what Paul says in the New Testament? Paul says that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, nothing good. When you understand that Jesus Christ died for your sins, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And all your dirty, rotten sins were because of this thing right here. And you consider what Jesus Christ did for you on Calvary and all the sin that he bore that you've committed in your life, and, uh, and it's all because of this guy right here that you and I have nothing to boast about when it comes to this flesh. And that's the problem. The issue is not what you do or don't wear. <laughs> the issue is where you're at with the Lord. You know, that's the outpouring of the heart. You know, I, I, you can make a list of do's and don'ts a mile long, and you know what, if your heart's not right, you'll find a way to circumvent it. You'll, you'll find a way to try to meet the list of the do's and the don'ts, and your heart's still wicked. You know, Jesus Christ told the Pharisees, said, outwardly you appear righteous unto men, but he says, inwardly you're full of dead men's bones. You know, Jesus Christ could see deeper than just the outward appearance. That does not negate the fact that you and I have a responsibility as a Christian on the message we send on what we wear. Look in uh, John 19, we'll be done. We'll pick up in uh, verse 19, back up to verse 18, sorry. It says, when they crucified him, two others, two other with him on either, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst, and Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then rid many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And then the soldiers, when they crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart. And also his coat, now that the coat was without seam and woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, where it shall be that the scripture might be filled, which, fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. You know, this issue of nakedness goes deeper than the do's and the don'ts of what you don't do or don't wear. It goes deeper than that. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And your Savior hung on a tree, and he bore your sin in the flesh, and he became sin for us. And God says that's the person of sin as far as he's concerned. And he was nailed to a tree and shed his blood and bled and died. And God saw fit that the best picture that he could give you 
was him to be just barren naked in front of the, the, the whole world to see. You know, we, we, bat, we, we hide into a corner in shame of nakedness, and yet God Almighty apparently is not a prude in that sense because he allowed himself to be completely naked before lost man to say, that is the picture of sin. You know who, who sin he bore when he did that? It was yours and mine. This issue of nakedness goes a, far, a lot deeper than the clothes you wear or don't wear. It has to do directly right in here. It's that sin problem that you and I got. There's something inside of you that causes you to want to display this thing or the new man says you need to put it in subjection. And folks, I don't want to be a stumbling block to another person, and, and I hope that's not your desire. But as a Christian, we ought to be mindful of the things that we wear and how it impacts and the message that it says to other people. Because Jesus Christ bore your sin. He did it barren and naked before the whole world. Thank God he rose again. And the Bible says because of his sacrifice, and guess what he does? <laughs> he takes your filthy rags of unrighteousness, and he takes his coat of righteousness, and then he says, here, I'm going to put that on you. It's a transaction. <laughs> he, takes your, he bore your nakedness, and he offers you his coat of righteousness. You know, folks, it, it goes deeper than that. You get into other stuff in the, in, during the millennium. Your service for Jesus Christ today is, is almost as if you're weaving your garment for a thousand years. What are you going to be during that time period? You know, some Christians for a thousand years are going to, you might be saved, but for a thousand years you're going to be walking stark naked and in shame. And it's because you did nothing for Jesus Christ. You know, after he bore your sin and nakedness in front of the whole world, I don't want to be naked in front of him. I want to do something for him. And that's what it's about, folks. It's not about what you do and don't wear. It's about pleasing our Savior. And I just want to encourage you to keep these things in mind, considering this summer is the time when people strip off their clothes and want to display it, and they put pressure on you to want to do the same. Don't fall into that trap. You go on vacation, you know, if your convictions in here are one way, your convictions wherever you go on vacation ought to match. Don't be a hypocrite. I try to keep that in mind. Lord, help us.